super excited that it's like finally nice weather and going outside. Have you guys just shout out some things maybe, what have you guys been doing outside now that it's nice weather? Golfing, bike riding. Lawn, oh, yeah. Sorry, Josh. Anything else? Horseback riding? My lady's over here. All right, well, I guess I'll get to the point. Um, so tonight I am preaching on the movie Brave. Do you guys know that movie? Brave? It's like with the red hair and she's Scottish, all that noise. Raise your hand if you have not seen it. Sad, so sad. It's such a cute movie, and now I'm going to ruin it for you. As we do every Wednesday this month. Okay, so yeah, so I'm preaching on Brave, and um, just... Under that would be how to take personal responsibility for mistakes that you've made. Why we need to do it also. Taking personal responsibility. Why we need to do it and how to do that well in God. Um, what would you guys say is personal responsibility? Just give shout out some answers. Isaac? So blaming Caitlin is personal responsibility? Nice. Not. John? Yes. Unless you're a baby, then it's not really your responsibility. Okay, oh yeah, let's do that. What, what are some of your personal responsibilities? The dishes. The dishes. You guys got chores out there? Homework. Homework. Last time I had candy, I threw at you guys. I got a lot better responses that time. Anybody have candy I can check out? Okay, well, I guess not. I guess that'd be against the rules anyway. <laughs> um, but what about, like, the concept of personal responsibility? What is that? What is that? Own up to your own mistakes. Any youths out there have anything to say? You guys are so smart. Come on, I know you know what it means. I can wait. Personal responsibility. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Uh, personal responsibility, what I wrote down and probably will resonate with you guys. Um, personal responsibility is my words, my behavior, my actions, my efforts, my mistakes, my ideas, and the consequences of my actions. Anything that falls into that realm of what I just said, you are responsible for personally. That means that when you say things like, that person made me lash out in anger, it's not true. What you say and what you do, what your actions are, are your own. You always make the choices for those things. doesn't mean that someone can't really irritate you and just bug you, or maybe they do make you angry, but what you do with that, what somebody did to you or whatever, that is your responsibility. The choices you make 
when someone does something to affect you is your responsibility. Personal responsibility is not other people's words, other people's behaviors, other people's actions, other people's efforts, other people's mistakes, other people's ideas, and the consequences of other people's actions. All right, good start. Good definitions. Uh, so let's just get into the movie. Um, we'll be starting with the clip one, but I'll just make a preface for it, just in, for the like three of you that haven't seen the movie. It takes place in Scotland, and Merida is a Scottish princess, and she just loves to like shoot her bow and arrow, and she's really wild and free. And um, this scene that we're coming into is she's going in to have dinner with her family, and she's about to find out that she has a responsibility that she does not want.
<laughs> All right, what, so we can look at the example of Merida and ask ourselves the question, what is the first step in kind of like making a mistake, falling into sin? And I would have to say one of the first steps is having a selfish attitude. Merida, she, I mean, like I get that kind of a big deal to get married, maybe not ready for it and all that. But she has a really selfish, negative attitude about it, especially to her parents, her mom and dad. Um, and she says she's not ready. She's not ready for that. And I think we all can relate to that when something's not going our way, having a selfish attitude about it, and just having that come to your mind like, oh, I don't want this, and I don't want this, this is not my thing. And just, like, letting that idea take root in your mind. She doesn't want to give up her freedom. And so what does she do? She takes matters into her own hands. Her selfish attitude is going to affect her actions. Um, we have another clip coming up, clip two. But uh, before we start, I'll just fill you in on what happens uh, in between the space. So the... Other clans' sons come to their castle, and they're competing for her hand in marriage. And she decides she's going to compete for her own hand in marriage, and she actually wins. Or she, you know, she wins the competition. Um, but her mother, they're having this conflict. She's like, her mother's still like, well, I don't care. You're still going to get married. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And so she rides off out of anger. She, she rides off into the woods and ends up, being led by some mystical thing in the movie, I don't understand, to a uh, witch's hut. And she goes into the hut and ends up asking the witch to make a spell for her to change her mother so she can change her mind. So she doesn't have to marry this person. Now, she doesn't know what the spell is going to do. She just, she's not thinking. She just takes the spell, which is a piece of cake, and the clip starts when she's about to give... Her mother, the cake. Oh, yeah, I know, right? 
Will she be eaten by the bear or not? Who knows? Well, I guess we'll see in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It all ends up okay, guys. Spoiler. For every Disney movie. Um, okay, so yes, she makes a big mistake here. She goes out, she takes matters into her own hands, gets a spell, is trying to change her mom, and she ends up changing her into a bear, which is really bad news because her father, and we didn't see this at all, but if you guys remember, her father got his leg bitten off by a bear um, in the beginning of the movie, and so he is like always trying to kill bears. So it's really dangerous for her. Um, you see that her selfish desire to take matters into her own hands and to not get married and have things her own way just entered into her mind, and she ended up making this mistake with her actions by giving her mother this spell. And I, I kind of want to take a little bit of time through each of my points and talk about a person in the Bible, a story in the Bible that mirrors uh, this situation pretty well. It is 2 Samuel 11. I'm just going to get it up in my Bible really quick here. So this is a story about King David. Um, we're going to do 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. In the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked onto the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. Ooh, this is not good. This is a bad situation David's got himself into. <clears throat> As you can see, very similar to Merida, he got up. He was, you know, should have been at war. He got up. He went onto his roof, and he saw a woman bathing, and he wanted to have sex with her. And um, sure, he thought, well, hey, I'm the king. I can do it. I can get away with it. Um, but he made a huge mistake, and it had a lot of consequences. Um, one of those being, she is now pregnant. Oh no. And um, so we see the same selfish desire causing this issue. All right, so another question you might be thinking would be, in the moment when you're sinning, are you falling into sin, you're making a mistake, what does it feel like in the moment when you're doing something bad, something you maybe shouldn't be doing? Does it feel bad? Do you feel remorse in the moment? Do you guys? I would say no. In the moment, you know, you decide to do something. It's not because you don't want to do it. It's because you do want to do it. And so in the moment, you're like, heck yeah, this feels good. Okay, we're going for it. Deal with consequences later. And with Merida, um, you could kind of see 
how she's like this. When she's giving the cake to her mom, the spell to her mom, she's like every 10 seconds like, so did you change your mind? Did you change your mind? Change your mind yet? Even when her mom is like falling ill, you know, she doesn't know if this spell's gonna kill her or hurt her bad or change her into a bear. She's still like persistent on her selfish desires. And in the Bible, um, in David's story, we don't exactly know, you know, what he's thinking in the moment, but we can guess that he absolutely knew that what he was doing was wrong. He knew it. He was close to God. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And so he must have been justifying in his mind, okay, this is okay because I deserve this. Or I'm a king. I could do whatever I want. I can have sex with anybody. Anybody that I want. With no consequences. Well, he was wrong about that. When you've seen that you've made a mistake and you're not ready to take personal responsibility, how do, how do we respond? How does Merida and, and David respond? And we'll see this in the clip and through the story, but I see them responding in three ways. Blaming, excuses, and hiding. Hiding your sin. And if you are a person that is like identifying with that and these stories, just keep your mind and your heart in check. Be recognizing that. If you, if, if you are feeling or recognizing in your own life that you've been using excuses or blaming or hiding something, you know, you might be in a position that you need to take some personal responsibility for what you've done. So we have the next clip. Did you guys catch her excuses? The witch is to blame. This is unbelievable. I can't believe what a bad spell she gave me. Man, come on. Come on now. So many excuses. She is not ready to take personal responsibility at all. She is totally blaming, totally making excuses. And actually, uh, because you see at the end here, her father is like, smells or whatever that there's a bear i don't know how he does that but he he like smell he hears and smells the bear and he's like he's trying to go after them and she has to like sneakily rush her mom and sneak her mom out of the castle and into the woods and hide her away until she can, can conjure a way to fix it figure out how to change her mom from a bear back to a, a human All right, so we will now uh, move to our, back to our story with David. What does David do? I think um, we can get, it's 2 Samuel 11, 6 through 27. Um, but I, you guys can follow along or in your Bibles, but I'll just summarize what happens pretty long. Um, so David has sex with Bathsheba, and she's pregnant, and she has a husband, so he's trying to figure out, how do I cover up my sin? How do I hide my sin? Um, so what he does is he calls, your, Uriah is in the army. He's an officer in his army. So he calls Uriah back. He's like some kind of commander or something. And he's like, Uriah, you're just such a good officer. You deserve a night off. 
you should totally just go back to your house and be with your wife and then go back to being in the army the next day. Um, but because Uriah is a pretty good guy, he doesn't go back to his house and sleeps with his wife. He decides to stay with his army because he just doesn't feel right that he should go home and relax when his army, the people he's in charge of, are still you know, out in the wilderness or wherever they are. So after this, David's like, well, what am I going to do? He's still not ready to admit what he did was wrong. He's not willing to take personal responsibility. So he decides that his only way out is to have Uriah the Hittite killed. So unfortunately, he uh, commands that Israel goes against another army in a pretty much for sure lose situation, and he orders that Uriah be put at the front lines of the battle in hopes that he will be killed. And that's what he does, and Uriah is killed. And then David takes Bathsheba to be his wife. And um, still no one knows. No one knows what he did. And he covers it up. He does a really good job. He tries to hide his sin, but as we know, your sin will find you out eventually, whether in this world or in Judgment Day. Will be, it will be known. So, I'm just going to get a quick drink here. What I want to do is just switch gears from the stories um, for a little bit of time and talk about um, why it's important we take personal responsibility for our actions um, and how we can do that in God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a pretty straightforward verse. I mean, there's no getting around it. You've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned. We've all sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, based on that verse, like, we're in trouble. But the Bible is full of good news. Romans 6.23 says... For the wages of sin is death. Okay, that's kind of bad news. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is a way out. A way out of your sin. Not an excuse, not a blame, but through God. Through God's free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 1.9 says... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What good news is that? But that means uh, I kind of have to humble myself a little bit. Confess what I've done. Take responsibility. I did this sin. I did me. It's, I'm, I'm the one with the ugly heart. We have to confess our sins, it says. God, and many of you probably have heard the gospel message, but God sent Jesus Christ to be born human and grow up as a human and to die for our sins. And I think it's such a, like, we just hear it all day, Jesus died for your sins. So we don't really under, fully understand, like, the, the weight and the gravity of that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
for the wages of sin are death. So he's taking your punishment. You deserve to die. You deserve to die for the sin that you've committed, the mistakes that you've made. But God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross and rise again so that you wouldn't have to die. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. When you profess that you have faith that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you are taking the ultimate responsibility for your sin that God calls you to. He's saying, it's not, I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. It's me. I'm the, exactly, I'm the one with the ugly heart. I'm the one with the mistakes. I need Jesus to cover my sins. Some of you have accepted God, Christ, into your heart. And you might be thinking, okay, so I've accepted Jesus into my heart, and I believe in all that. So I'm, like, good to go, right? Like, all my sins are covered, and, like, no more personal responsibility. Why well, would say yes and no? I mean, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you accept Jesus into your heart, you're not under condemnation to die anymore. But you're still human, and you're still going to make mistakes. And we, Christians, we all need to take personal responsibility for, those, for our actions and, in some cases, suffer consequences for those actions. So what does that look like in our two stories here? We have our last clip coming up, and I'll just set it up really quick. They've been, Merida and her mother, the bear, have been running through the forest and just trying to figure out what it is they need to do to fix it. They go back to the witch's hut, and she gives them some kind of mystical saying, being like, uh, mend the bond, broken with pride. And so they're trying to fix the situation, and it kind of gets into this big thing where they're, um, her father is out with all of the soldiers trying to kill the bear, and they get attacked by another bear, and it's this whole thing. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Yay, happy endings. <clears throat> Finally, we see that Merida is willing to take responsibility for her actions. She apologizes. She admits that it's all her fault. Um, that she is the one that caused all these problems. And it, it's, really, it's really only then, and that was the key to um, change her mother back to a human from a bear. All right, where am I here? Had she not, thank you, John. <laughs> Had she not done that, um, and I mean, even if, even though she did do it, she still faced the consequence, the possibility that her actions could have caused her mother to be a bear permanently. Oh, and also, do you see the three little bears? Those are her brothers that actually got turned into bears, too. She would have turned her three brothers and her mother into bears permanently from her mistake. So it is a good thing that she did 
take responsibility for that there at the end. Change her mother back into a human. So where are we at with David then? He's done this thing. We're at 2 Samuel 12, 1-14. through 14. I'll just summarize again. So David thinks that he is like free and clear. He's all good. Got away with it. I'm sure his conscience was burning him inside though. What was it you said, Derek? I forgot to write it down in the Psalms. David writes a psalm about his experience of being under the guilt and the pressure of what he had done and not confessed for, and it was his bones were cracking under the weight and the pressure. That's what it felt like to him. Well, he's about to be relieved. So David has this, or not he has, but the, the state of Israel, Israel has this prophet that's in their midst called Nathan, and oftentimes prophets, they'll, they'll speak on behalf of what the God is revealing to them or wisdom or whatever it is. Um, so Nathan comes to David and says, Yo, David, I want to tell you about some stuff that's been going on in your kingdom. Uh, a couple stories. So, or just one story. So he says, David, there's this man that has a lot of wealth. He has many sheep and many cattle. That's just what the guy is well off, has everything he needs. And then his, his neighbor, his, whatever, I don't know if they were neighbors, but this other guy has one sheep, one solitary sheep. He's poor, but he loves this sheep, man. He, he feeds it from his hand. He takes him into his house and probably is, Sleeps next to him. I don't know. It's weird to me. But anyway, he very much loves the sheep. And so the rich man gets a visitor, a very important visitor. And instead of butchering one of his cattle or one of his sheep for the visitor, for the grand meal that we're going to have, he takes the one sheep that the neighbor loves and butchers it for his guest, his important guest. So last scene of the story, Nathan tells David this. And David is like, what a jerk. Man, this guy is the worst guy I've ever heard of. He should be put to death. And Nathan's like, it's you, dude. Like, yeah, it's you, bro. Like, I know about what happened with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite and how you had him killed. And that guilt is on you. And right away, at the very last moment, David says in, well, let's see here, verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Yes, he admits his sin. It's right there in front of him. I don't know what else he could have done. But he has no excuses. He's no more hiding. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan says, Nathan replied in, still the same verse, verse 13. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. 
you are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. David had a consequence too. Uh, because of what he did, the son was, that was conceived between him and Bathsheba ended up dying. And he had to accept that consequence, unfortunately. Um, it kind of feels kind of bleak for David. But because God is such a good God, so full of mercy, he is the God that restores. David was still married to Bathsheba after their son died, and they actually conceived again and had another son. And that son's name was Solomon. And Solomon became the next king of Israel and was very blessed by God, extremely blessed so. He was the wisest man on earth, and he wrote um, <clears throat> most of the Proverbs that we have in our Bible. I don't know how many, but uh, definitely a lot of them. So, does, so God restored, even in the situation of adultery and murder, God still restored David, the man who repented. Well, that's good news for us, guys. That was Old Testament now we're under the new covenant, and God can restore all of us, too. Through our sin, or I guess through his grace and what he did on the cross, we can be forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Taking responsibility for your sin and what you've done, mistakes you've made, it might be kind of painful. It might hurt a little bit. But Romans 2.4 says it, that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's actually a kindness God shows us when he puts his finger on something ugly in your life, some sin in your life, something not right that you're doing. Hebrews 12, 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? We're God's children. You know what? Children mess up. Children actually, really the only way, I mean, there's other ways to learn, but like the main way that kids learn obedience is by not being obedient and being punished. Like my kid, Benjamin, is going through the stage where he's throwing all of his food on the ground out of his high chair. And it's like, you know, he's not trying to be bad. But I have to take this kind of bad, I guess, whatever, behavior, not good, not trained behavior. And when he throws food on the ground, I got to slap his hand. Maybe he cries a little bit. But it's the only way, <laughs> it's the only way he learns. And so that's what God does with us. He will take every single opportunity that he has in your life to help free you from your sin. 
and to train you and to teach you. God wants to free you from your sin. And yes, sometimes he will use a painful process to do that. I am nearing the end of this sermon. But I do have one more note I want to say on personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is not just that you are owning up to your sin or your actions or your mistakes. It's also taking personal responsibility for what's going on in your mind. The truth is that we're all struggling with something very, very real in our minds. Maybe it's actions, but a lot of us in our, in our heads. And a lot of you that I've talked to have some very significant issues you're facing. A lot of you guys are struggling with anxiety, depression, anger, suicidal thoughts, different kinds of addictions, and much more unnamed things, we're, we're all facing those things. We're all facing issues, issues in our mind. But I want to say, or uh, the things that are going on in your mind, and you, you might not be in this place, but it might just be torturing you. Like every night you lay in bed, and you dread going to bed, and you're lying there, and you're just like, can't stop thinking about this one thing. Or with your anxiety, you can't stop stressing and pouring over situations in your head. And, or the depression, can't get out of bed. It might be torturing you, the thing that's going on in your mind, in your heart. But I'm going to say something that you might not like. But I'm going to say it anyway, because it's the truth. You are not a victim of that thing. I'm not trying to discount it or say it's not real. Because depression and anxiety, those things are very real. But you're not a victim because we always have a choice to go to Jesus with what's going on in here. It might not be easy. But you have a personal responsibility to take what's going on, whether it be sin or whether it be Issues you're facing, your mind, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, addictions. You have a responsibility to take those things to Jesus. And be like, help me, God. I confess that I'm struggling with this. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For some of you guys, what I'm saying is hitting home like a ton of bricks. And maybe you're feeling anxious. You're like, you know it's you. You know there's something going on that's just torturing you. Okay, you have a choice. You don't have to live with that. Because God... And your community is going to help you through it. And if you are feeling that way about something specific, it's probably the Holy Spirit convicting you. Putting his finger on something. It's his kindness. He's showing you a kindness right now. I love you. I love you. Now let's, let's, work, let's work that 
out. So you don't have to deal with that torture anymore. And if that is hitting home, I just do not leave tonight without getting prayer and talking with the leader or making a plan, talk with your parents or someone that you trust in your life because God really does want to set you free. And you have to take personal responsibility to take that step and go forward. Listen to the Holy Spirit leading you. And lastly, if you have not accepted Jesus into your heart, you might be feeling something very similar. You might be feeling the torture and the weight of what's going on in your life or your head, your body. You do have a choice. And God is right here. God's calling you to him. He desires you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to help you work through it. He doesn't want you to die because of your sin. He did, made the ultimate sacrifice. He sent Jesus to die for you. He took your place. And all you have to do is accept that. Believe that he did that for you and that he rose from the dead. So I'm just going to pray. And um, anyone in here that wants to follow along, maybe you haven't accepted God into your heart yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you guys in a prayer. And if you are in that place where you're done with it, done with the torture, then I just encourage you to pray this. And then after, come and find me or Caitlin or whoever, or, uh, John or Isaac or Quinn or any of the leaders or your parents, whoever, and tell them, tell them what happened. All right, I'm going to pray now. God, you are so, so good. And we recognize that in our life, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to sin. We can't avoid that. But you are so good. You are so good to take our place, to take our punishment of death. We just thank you. praise you. I praise you that it fills me with joy knowing that. Thank you for what you did. If any of you want to pray, just repeat after me in your head or out loud or whatever. God, I take personal responsibility for my sin and the ugliness of my own heart. I recognize that I can't be good on my own. I can't make it on my own. I believe and have faith that you sent your son to live our life, a human life, and to die. And that death represents my punishment for what I did, for my sin, for my ugliness. And the best part of all is I believe that God rose Jesus from the dead and he is alive today.
and I accept that as my personal Savior. I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. And I choose to walk out of here with your grace and your help to lead a life, to love you, to serve you, and my community around me. And God, I pray for anyone that's prayed that prayer that they would be vulnerable and open up to any one of us leaders tonight, that they would be able to confess their sin, confess what's going on in their hearts so that they can be freed. In Jesus' name, amen.